The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 29, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host who is on time today at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K, Mr. Eight-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, every day is a good day to be alive. Uh, the best days to be alive are the days where I come up with an excuse uh, to pull out the old Norv Turner playbook from the Washington Redskins back in 1995, which was before I was born. Look through it real quick. Realize that he didn't even have a single formation that was not under center mm. and then immediately put it back away because that wasn't going to do much for me. <laughs> yeah, a lot of under center stuff going on in 1995 back then. We're going to get into all that. So today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be previewing. This is part two of our previews. Go back and listen to part one if you haven't yet, episode 28. In episode 28, we previewed the Eagles offense against the Panthers defense. Today, we are going to be doing the Panthers offense against the Eagles defense. First, house cleaning, as always. It's Wednesday when we are recording this Wednesday night, and this will be dropping on Thursday morning. But we have our first injury report today. For the Eagles, it's kind of a long one, man. Did not participate. Linebacker DJ Alexander with a quad. Cornerback Rasul Douglas, not injury-related. Don't worry about it. Linebacker Nate Gary, ankle-slash-knee. Safety Corey Graham with a hamstring. Uh, He might be a game-time decision there. Offensive tackle Lane Johnson still fighting that high ankle sprain. Cornerback Sidney Jones, hamstring. That's a big one. He could miss multiple weeks from what we're hearing. Running back Darren Sproles still fighting the knee. Limited participation. Derek Barnett still fighting off that shoulder injury. Wouldn't worry about his availability for this game. 
Defensive tackle, Haloti Nada, still fighting the calf. Jason Peters with the biceps, of course. That's going to be the entire season for us. And quarterback Carson Wentz had some back spasms. They said it was nothing to worry about, uh, so don't freak out. For the Carolina Panthers, actually, Ben, you have any thoughts on the Eagles before I move over to the Carolina Panthers as far as that injury report goes? Most important thing is that I'll get worried about limited participation on Thursdays. I won't be worried about right. it on Wednesdays. That's going to be big for Darren Sproles because if he's supposed to be back, like tomorrow is when you want to see him limited, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DJ Alexander, has he ever been healthy in these Wednesday reports ever? I feel like he's literally, Never. he starts every single report. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I, yeah, it's, it's, Obviously, alphabetical is the way BLG sets these up. But yeah, he's first one on the list every time. Carolina Panthers did not participate. Safety, Mike Adams needed a nap. Defensive end, Mario Addison, also uh, rest-related. Linebacker, Ben Jacobs, not injury-related. There's a lot of guys getting time. Julius Peppers needed a nap, too. What's going on here? A lot of rest going on with the Carolina Panthers. Defensive tackle, Kyle Love, where the shoulder did not participate. Linebacker, Andre Smith, with a hamstring guy out of what was he florida state or north carolina andre smith was the north carolina young blood who made the really bold prediction i think when they were playing nc state or maybe miami yeah. it was one of the two where he was like yeah we're not afraid of these guys we're gonna kill him and then they got <laughs> spanked so that's your note on andre smith uh still hurting from that limited participation cornerback dante jackson who you just spread some love to on yesterday's show he's dealing with a groin injury which could be bad Tight end Greg uh-huh. Olson, he was coming back with that with that foot injury, so he's still going to be on the reports here as we move through this. But his availability, I don't think, is in question for this game coming up. Ben, any thoughts on the on the Panthers injury report there? It's a lot of their bodies on the front four. You mentioned Mario Addison, you mentioned Kyle Long, you mentioned uh, Julius Peppers, which obviously we'll see, or Kyle Love, excuse me. Right. We'll see how uh, the extent to which those guys are healthy. But it's a lot of bodies on their front, so we'll see if that if that depth is tested by the time we get to sunday nice ben preview time panthers that's what i've been here for that's what i like to see (laughs) panthers offense eagles defense quick stats uh what you can expect from the panthers 50 50 first and 10 run pass ratio uh seven percent higher than league average runs on second and long which is the absolute worst time to run it as i've said many times the worst (laughs) it's the literally the worst uh you can blame that uh, for a lack of uh, explosive plays, you can blame the weapons too. You can blame the roster construction. All valid points, Ben. Uh, but I kind of, wa- I, I kind of want to talk about this. I kind of love the run and option designs that Norv Turner is mm-hmm. dialing up with this scheme. So let's just dive right into it, uh, Ben. What are your overall thoughts on this offense schematically with your with your viewings of it? Uh, yeah, I love it. I love the run offense. This is the best thing in the... I. How did nobody tell me Carolina was doing this? This is so much fun. <laughs> it is. So Carolina's got uh, Christian McCaffrey, a young man who coming out 2017 NFL draft out of Stanford, and Stanford's rushing offense is very much predicated on these power rushes and these gap style of plays. M- McCaffrey just has a body type and as, as a running style where you kind of thought, oh, maybe he's a little bit more uh, built for a zone type. Maybe he'll come to the NFL and he's got great explosiveness and he's a good decision maker. And so maybe he'll be more of a zone type in the NFL. And I think that they did some zone stuff with him in, in the last year under Shula and uh, his first year with the Panthers, 2017 to 2018. This season, while there's still a lot of zone action, you're seeing two things. Number one, they're giving McCaffrey a lot of opportunities to run single back power, guard tackle read, guard tackle counter, a lot of really fun stuff. Uh, And all these are power-based ideas. And so what 
McCaffrey does really nicely under these circumstances is that he has a great ability to stay very tight and very skinny to blocks in that first level in the trees, right? And so we talk about, uh, you know, staying skinny to blocks and staying tight to these guys running with leverage. You make it very, very difficult for second level defenders to generate an angle on you because you say you stay so tight into contact and you and you slip through these tight spaces and you're you're really very like like slippery is the adjective that comes to mind because you're so close to this wrapping guard nobody can really get at you until you break into the second level and McCaffrey's very explosive and he's got great body control and so he's tough to get a paw on and McCaffrey really is doing an incredible job in my opinion turning four yard runs into eight yard runs I think really is really yeah. something that's very, very special. I'm excited to see it because I like McCaffrey a lot coming out. Although uh, they'll, they'll use CJ Anderson, their second back, on more of these zone ideas. But even when McCaffrey runs these zone concepts, Mike, you're seeing a, 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 an idea which is basically wide zone weak is what it's called, uh, where you're running outside zone blocking for the first like two to three steps of the, the blocking scheme, right? It's a, it's a wide zone birth it's wide zone to start you sift with split zone action the tight end coming to the back side and then instead of the typical halfback path which goes to the outside aiming at the out the the play side guards outside hip reading the b gap you know bend bang or or bounce right. your three options it's just bang it's just we are we are extending this front this defensive front out to one side we're bringing the tight end to kick out back to this other side and we want you to go straight up the gap and what will happen is after those offensive linemen take those initial outside zone steps is they'll turn into more inside zone style of schemes they'll then climb up into the second level and look to leverage off to that side and that's working very very well for them and then off of that off that split zone action from your tight ends you build the entire offense. Right. The entire offense is predicated around split zone and jet motion. The the option that they run, they were so the Washington Redskins were trying to ca- counter the read option with a scrape exchange, where the defensive end crashes, gives the quarterback the read that he should keep it, and then they bring a linebacker over top. But because of that that split flow type action, you get that tight end coming over on an arc block, and that frees up things that way too. So you have to go. It's like it's a counter punch to a counter, and I, I love the way that this run game is built then. And, and, and we should bring up the options as well because another thing you're seeing from Carolina is the pistol, yeah. which is the bomb. Love it. And so, the, you know, the the we've got under center alignments for quarterbacks right there and then shotgun alignments are typically about five yards deep, four yards deep. Pistol alignments would be about three yards deep and you can put a back behind the quarterback in kind of like an eye situation. And what does this do? Well, from the gun, you have to set either the halfback to your left or to your right. Mm. And so if you're threatening to run outside zone, for example, and the halfback is set to your right, well, really the only way you can run that is to the offense's left because there's no real way to get that ball to the running back for him to have a good angle as far as timing with the offensive line if you're running outside zone to the side to which the running back is. From the pistol, with the running back behind you, Mike, well, you can go any way with it. And, yeah, and the key word there is angles, because I like the angles much better attacking the line of scrimmage from pistol. Go ahead, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have the approach to do it from both sides. And then, Mike, because you have two two running backs in C.J. Anderson and Christian McCaffrey, and you can come out in sets with Christian McCaffrey lined up as a wide receiver, which is very legit because McCaffrey is an excellent route runner, has fantastic hands. And then you have a wide receiver in Curtis Samuel, who was a running back in college, who you drafted in the same class as McCaffrey. And then you have wide receiver D.J. Moore, who you just drafted out of Maryland, who's basically got a running back build. And all of a sudden, Mike, you can put a second player into pistol offset, so you can have a a, a, a fullback or a, a forward back, 
uh, to your right-hand side on the pistol right next to the quarterback mm. and still have a running back behind. Now you're running triple option. <laughs> they ran guard, tackle, counter, read, triple option, which is like straight out of the Oklahoma Sooners playbook. Yeah. That's Lincoln Riley. <laughs> North Turner's running this in the NFL. This is the bomb. <laughs> and then, and then, and then you can incorporate now like a split at split zone action. You have H-backs and sniffers. These are when, when tight ends aren't on the line of scrimmage, but they're offset from the line of scrimmage, and they'll put them behind the B gap and behind the A gap, and they'll stick them in really weird spots, and they'll run uh, uh, sequences. They'll run uh, scripts outside of these alignments where, you know, they did it against the Redskins, where they had a, they had an H-back yep. in the B gap, and then they ran a split zone idea, and then they came back with, with, uh, with, with basically what is – Counter. They basically ran counter just with the, with the H back already there in the B gap that they were running it into. You know what I mean? He didn't even move. He just climbed and kicked the, and kicked out the the Atlanta line of scrimmage. Yeah. Right. So you can run a bevy of things, and then you incorporate jet motion, and you get a third guy in the backfield who could potentially take it, and you hand off that jet, and you're forcing that play side safety to come hard down uh, to come be the alley player there. And if you can move that safety, you're taking him out of the box with jet motion. It's one less player in the box to defend against your regular running attack. Yeah. This is. USF under the under uh, Charlie Strong. Yeah. This is literally this is Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma. This is awesome. It's very fun and it's very effective. The Panthers are the number one team in the NFL in rushing yards per carry on first down. Yeah, I noticed that. I, I put that in an article on Bleeding Green Nation when I was scouting them. I was doing some advanced scouting for them before their game. That's the first thing that I noticed. Is on first down they get it done. Christian McCaffrey is averaging four point nine yards per carry. Like this team can run the freaking ball. They're averaging over six yards per carry on first down. I can't yeah. express. That's nuts. <laughs> and I wish they would dial it back a little bit on some other downs, but it's so freaking effective for them in a lot of situations. And having a big guy like Cam Newton to be able to run that is fantastic. So a run game, definitely something that will challenge the Philadelphia Eagles run defense that also ranks very well. Let's talk about some of the passing game stuff. Let's talk about the quarterback, which is what we usually lead off with, but we had to talk about this variety of, of an attack that they have on the run. So look, Ben, I don't know how you feel about him. I'm personally a can believer because I think he's insanely talented, uh, but he was wildly inconsistent last year, capable of extremely high and low levels of play from week to week. And it was literally the story from week to week for him in 2017. You're not getting as much of that variance this year, but his situational performance is still high variance. And last week against the Redskins, he started to take that game over with his legs and his arm. And then the last three throws of the game in, in a game-winning situation were just an absolute circus for him. Uh, that said, Cam ranks six per next-gen stats and expected completion percentage differential with a plus 3.1% differential. You can thank his strong arm, uh, for that, and also I think for all the deep balls issues that he has, which we'll get into those in a second, he's been really good in the short to intermediate areas, make some throws to the sidelines that a lot of quarterbacks can't. Deep passing, already alluded to it, might as well dive into it. Per pro football focus, 2 of 16 on deep passing, 50 yards, that ranks last. One TD, one interception, that interception was that terrible decision in the first half against the Redskins, basically an arm punt to Josh Norman. 31% adjusted accuracy on those deep throws. That ranks 29th out of 35th and a 34.9 quarterback rating also last. Uh, third downs have also been an adventure. They're converting 38%, which is slightly below average, about 2% under. But they are extremely dependent on Cam's legs in this situation. 
They're 30th in yards per play on third down with an unfathomable 2.83 average. Their turnover rate is top 10, and he led the league in turnover-worthy throws on money downs last year. And Ben, let's do a guessing game here. Let's do this. Uh-oh. What do you think Cam Newton's yards per attempt on third down is? Oh, man. You said on third down. I was like, I can get that information quickly enough and burn time and just look <laughs> it up and be so right. On third down, is it like, this is a stupid question. Is it really good or is it really bad? It ain't great. Yeah, I, 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 was, I think it'd be bad. Okay, six. Lower. Five? Lower. That's so bad. Four? Lower. I don't believe you. 3.8. On third down. Listen, I mean, they love little screens on third down which makes me so like i get mad when doug peterson throws one screen on third down they throw like six a game (laughs) but that's shocking to me 3.8 yards per attempt on third down that's the lowest among quarterbacks with at least 25 third down throws but why because (laughs) they have such a vertical passing attack they have an intermediate passing attack because that deep stuff is not hidden for them right now okay well in the sense of like they're (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm going to pull up Cam Newton's completion percentage by depth. Okay. Airyards.com. Okay. Good resource. I'm interested in this. While now. you do that, uh, I will bring up that they face an Eagles defense that is third in the league for lowest conversion rate at 31% against the pass. And I alluded to them depending on Cam's legs. Well, let's also put that into context, Ben. Among quarterbacks and running backs, Cam is only behind Todd Gurley in third down runs with 12. He's tied with Ezekiel Elliott. And he has converted seven of those, seven of those runs into first downs, which is also tied with Ezekiel Elliott. So that shows you how much of that third down, per, that, that third down conversion percent relies on Cam's legs because Chris McCaffrey's only got one conversion on the season. So this has got to be a point of emphasis, of course, for the Eagles defense. And mm-hmm. you get the feeling that a lot of this is going to fall on Jordan Hicks, Nigel Bradham, because as we talked about before, the Eagles front four loves to freelance. That opens you up to quarterback runs. However, the fact that they're in zone coverage a good amount of the time, that helps matters. Ben, Cam Newton, did you did you find those stats or what do you what do you want to elaborate on when yeah, it comes yeah, yeah. to uh, our boy no, Cam? No, so I've got I've got Newton's 2018 completion percentage by depth up, which is airyards.com, which uh, Josh Hermsmeyer runs, which is a very nice and helpful resource. And it is what I expected in terms of before 22, 21 yards down the field, Cam Newman has an above average completion percentage oh, yeah. all the way down. And there's a, there, and yeah, and there's like a, a, a pretty significant swell right around 10 yards, which is where you might say like the intermediate area begins, whatever. That's their comeback. That's their deep dig area. Cam's fantastic in that area. Absolutely. And I mean, well, because basically I would exaggerate to say that 25% of their passing attack is 989, 585, or divide. <laughs> Tell them right? air raid. I'm sure divide, t- t- hit them with the air raid. I, <laughs> well, it's Air Coriel yeah. is what Turner runs. And so I'm sure there's a number, um, I'm sure there's a number designation for divide, but I don't know it. I just know it as divide. Um, which I can is see it sma- I can uh, are you talking quick. smash divide or? No, divide is, um, is basically what uh, you would call flood in the West Coast. Oh, okay. Divide is just going to be. Uh, you're going to read uh, Deep Go, which may mutate into a comeback on an option, which is nine. And then you have your flag route, which is seven. And then a flat route, which is four. So it's 479, yeah. I'm assuming is what divide is by uh, Air Coriel numerology. But that entire, excuse me, that entire idea of passing is simply you're looking for your, your primary read is just the crossing route across the middle of the field. Right. Or it's the flag route into the intermediate level of the field. Like like I, we talked about with uh, the Eagles offense, you're just, you're... There's vertical stretches, but you're not necessarily looking to hit. 
You're not necessarily reading deep to shallow the way you might be in what Kansas City is running and what Los Angeles is running right now. Right. Dart 479 is wide divide. <laughs> it's been, it's, okay. So that's the three basic ideas that they're running. And what you're seeing, and I think this is an important thing to know, is that it's a little easy, in my opinion, to call run pass before the snap for Carolina simply because these these ideas Turner's been running for all 18 years he's been in the league, all 20 years he's been in the league, he's been running these these Coriel concepts, right? Yeah. But this pistol stuff yeah. and this arc read and this GT counter and, and the H-back, all this is a little bit newer for him. And as a result, I don't think that they're married personnel wise together. Yeah, well, I I, I want to be careful with saying that, right? Because he'll he'll you know split zone action and then uh, tag a screen behind it and it's great. And he'll you know jet jet motion and tie a wheel route to it and it's nice. But he'll, I think he'll use tight end overs and things of that nature, and he'll get a sliding pocket, which helps mask some of the line problems. Yeah, he, he does marry it that way. Yeah, yeah, we got to we got to talk about the line sliding for sure. Yeah, but. I don't think they're perfectly married because, it, like, they'll come out on a first down in, you know, 11 personnel shotgun. And I'll mm. say, okay, this is a pass. Because yeah. all game long, they haven't been running out of this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I'd be interested to see their run pass splits out of personnel. Because I feel like they need more runs out of 11. And I would even say kind of out of 12. They do run in 12 a good bit. But but I think by personnel and then oftentimes by alignment as well when they don't have these H-backs and this these sniffers going on. You can say, all right, I'm pretty comfortable saying this is a pass, and the play-action game isn't too strong in that regard. They'll still run it, but there's a little bit of weakness there, in my opinion. That's interesting, Ben. I just looked up their splits on 11 personnel. They're 66% pass. That's, I mean, that's, that's fi- fairly high. <laughs> right, but they're 50-50 run pass, right, as just an offense in general. On first down, and I can look I can look at it by down, but yeah, I mean, 66% right, so on, on 11 is pretty – it's 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 up there. Yeah, so there you go. I, I, that, that's about a one-sixth – Yeah. Maybe a one-third increase up from just what we're seeing on first down if we're going by 50-50 as the general number. So right. the salient point there being I think that it's a little bit easy to diagnose pass, especially in the early downs uh, because they'll, they'll, they'll just won't come out in those formations that they've been running those option ideas from. Uh, so that's where I think a little bit of the divide is. 60-40, 61-39 on first down from 11 personnel they're passing. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good tip. It's a good key. Yeah, so that, that, that I mean, that's something that you just kind of – when you're grinding through film, you go, yeah. well, this looks different. And then it's yeah. a pass. And you're like, okay, well, that's not hard. You know what I mean? It's a pretty clear key. Uh, a salient point, because we've kind of bounced around <laughs> with a lot of different stuff. We've been talking a lot about this offense way it's constructed because it's very interesting to me. Focusing more on how things get defended, Mike, and, and, and what Philadelphia needs to do from a schematic standpoint. Hit me with when it. you're at the snap, there will be four skill position players in the box. You will have two backs a tight end and then a guy coming screaming across the formation in you know zap motion in fly motion you need to be so gap disciplined yeah when you play this offense because like i'll put it to you this way when they try to execute like a wide zone play they're counting on being able to get this reach block or this climb with their left guard on the idea that their jet motion or their read option has already widened him. It's already displaced right. you. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. much of this offense is predicated on the idea that they can move linebackers. So if you slow play things, right, then you could be in great position to handle all of the, the misdirection. You don't get pushed out of place. You don't give up big alleys up the middle of the field. The counterpoint, the concern is that for as much as your linebackers don't play into the boundary, your corners need to make tackles. 
Yeah. Ah, not good. This is not good. Uh, the Eagles' corners <laughs> have really struggled to make tackles. So what you're going to look at, I think, is a very – I would have Jenkins up in the box a ton, and I would let him play very aggressively into action coming to his side, and I would have – Camus Grugier Hill as an as on the line of scrimmage, Sam, or overhang, you know, so he's outside of the widest offensive lineman or the tight end, and let him play very aggressive down. Because the first thing you want to do with those jets and with those quick outside plays, and they run crack toss, right? And these sort of ideas, is you want to force that guy who's getting to the boundary to have to belly out and to take a lot of time and take backward steps and lose ground before it can get upfield. If you let Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel immediately win the corner, your defense is not fast enough to get to him before he's picked up 10 yards. Yeah. So you need to be able to belly those plays quickly, which means, a, and this is going to be the reality, a ton of single high coverage and a ton of cover three. Mm-hmm. It's what the it's what the run defense, the running game is going to force you into. Yeah, and so now it's, is Devin Funches good enough to body Jalen Mills the way we've seen him get uh, bodied in, in games this season is Avante Maddox going to be able to close down on these on these over routes and on these bang eights and all these big eights and all these other big crossers that you know this air Coriel system loves to use like those are the big questions you know we, you've said the deep passing game isn't strong and when he's attempting big air yard attempts down the field they're not throwing the ball well and that that's fine but there's a lot of intermediate room in the way I anticipate Philly defending the run uh, and that intermediate room can turn into deep plays if you can't tackle. So yeah. that it's 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 going to be I think it's going to be very cover three heavy, very eight man in the box, very much the defense that causes us a lot of anxiety. Secondary's got to play well. Here here are the matchups in the passing game from what uh, PFF is saying. Torrey Smith will go up against former teammate Jalen Mills. Hey Jalen, he's going deep, bud. Don't worry about the rest. Ronald Darby will see the most of Devin Funchess most likely. I'm interested to see how the Eagles deployed Darby's coverage against his comeback and deep dig dependent passing offense uh, uh, there. Uh, one thing that I did see with Darby, and I went back and watched the tape last year, and I, I watched uh, I watched him against the Dallas Cowboys, him against Des Bryant, similar physical profiles, and he didn't have too much problem, too many problems with the play strength there. I thought he had a really good game. And they threw a lot of short stuff to Des in that game, too. I believe it was week 11. And Darby was able to come up and secure tackles, and he looked really good in that area. So hopefully we get the same kind of performance there. Jarius Wright is your slot receiver. It sounds as exciting as it is. Malcolm Jenkins will be charged with shutting down Greg Olson, who returned to action after that foot injury that we talked about in week one. Uh, He came back against the Redskins, catch four balls for 48 yards against the Redskins, backing him up. And when they come out in 12 personnel, those multiple tight end sets, which they do uh, a little over 25% of the time on the whole, is rookie Ian Thomas, uh, who had a bit of a, a, I don't know if you saw the Giants game, Ben, but he had a bad, bad route against the Giants, and it caused Cam a pick. They've been feeding him. I mean, he was Mm -hmm. a third-round pick, and he was raw coming out, and they're trying to, I mean, Olsen's back. So they don't have to use him as much. Right. And they really like to use that third stringer who blocks quite well. That's uh, 82 Chris Manhurts. Yeah. They'll use him in two tight end sets with Olsen a good deal. Now They, they can keep Thomas off the field now, I think, a little bit more because Olsen's healthy again. So part of opening up that passing game and getting to those targets for the Carolina Panthers is going to be protecting their quarterback and giving him time. And Ben, every week, Pro Football Focus puts out their offensive line advantage metrics. By their numbers, the Eagles defensive line, and we've heard this a lot, Uh, has the largest advantage in Week 7. They have the Panthers at negative 39% in pass pro. In second place, for context, is Houston's offensive line, whose two tackles have given up the most pressures in the league. 
against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. So uh, this is fantastic news for the Eagles, obviously, uh, because as it stands now, Cam Newton historically does not deal with pressure very well outside of scrambling, where make no mistake about that, he's an absolute weapon. But through the air, his quarterback rating under pressure this year is a whopping 24.8. That's second to last, only better than Josh Allen. And Ben, let me tell you, I don't know if you know this guy, Josh Allen. If you're in company with Josh Allen, something has gone terribly wrong. Isn't Josh Allen, like, well, I'm pretty sure when he went down, Josh Allen's pass rating against pressure was like 6.9 or something. Yeah, was, I know. It was in the single digits. I think um, Sports Info Solutions or ESPN Stats and Info, I think it was ESPN Stats and Info had it at like 1.4 or like 1.6. It's bad. saddening. <laughs> it's sickening. What, right. do, what, what do you think the uh, what do you think this Eagles front four can do against uh, against this Panthers offensive line? Uh, number one, when we talk about power concepts, when we talk about uh, single back power, when we talk about guard tackle counter and the stuff that you see frequently on on the film, this is an idea we've discussed before: disruption and penetration. It's a grain of sand and a finely tuned machine. It can really throw off uh, offensive linemen's ability to get to their landmarks on time to achieve second level blocks, and it frees up other defenders to make plays. And so, you know, uh, Fletcher Cox causes a problem on the interior, and that means that the wrapping guard has get there a half second late, which means that Brandon Graham is able to close down the running lane, which forces Christian McCaffrey to bounce, which is where help is, and da 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 da. And so, you definitely want to see penetration in the running game for sure. Now. We've talked a lot about split zone action and what Carolina does very well with an offensive line that is a bit beaten up in terms of the fact that, you know, Daryl Williams uh, ended up hitting IR. Matt Khalil was on IR. Those were two guys they anticipated having starting. And so now you've got uh, Chris Clark and Greg Van Roten on the left side. Honestly, they're doing... I like Van Roten, especially in the run game. Van Roten isn't terrible. Chris Clark's pretty bad. Uh, and then it's Ryan Khalil, Trey Turner, who's quite good, and Taylor Moten, the young player, who I think is limited, but is powerful. Uh, and so it's not a great offensive line, and obviously you have two of your uh, your more tenured starters, Daryl Williams, a great player, off. And so what you've seen a lot is that they are executing five-man slide protections almost majorly. All the time. Yeah, yeah uh, because anytime that you are running play action off of that split zone idea, mm-hmm. get a moving you pocket. get to... You get to seal that backside end with the tight end. Uh, and you have all of your offensive linemen are basically just zone blocking and pass protection, right? Which can really buy you some nice time um, because it's more difficult to scheme a one-on-one rusher matchup when there's going to be split zone action, right? Like if you want to scheme a guy uh, getting an, a tackle isolated on the edge, well, guess what? If they slide towards him, then it's a long path to get around him and mm-hmm. to get to the quarterback. You want to isolate Brandon Graham on a guard? Well, eh, that guard's going to be you know, surrounded. Uh, there's going to be a lot of bodies around him. There's not going to be a lot of space. That's on the strong side. Of course, the weak side now. And you're, and you're getting run action with it too, so it kind of delays your read. You're not getting that traditional route to the quarterback, but yeah. No, exactly. And so on, on the weak side now, you're going to get an isolated guard and a bit of an open C-gap or an mm-hmm. open uh, D-gap, kind of depending on the way that they slide. And then you're going to get an end on a tight end. And obviously that should be a situation where you're looking for a win. Uh, the thing about Philadelphia is that while they do scheme one-on-one matchups quite nicely, they can put four pass rushers on the field. And then no matter which way you slide, you're leaving half of your of your offensive line a bit of a bad spot. And that's why Philadelphia is going to not be as affected by the slide as I think you saw Washington uh, get affected, or even Atlanta 
get affected. It's because of the ability that Philadelphia can really rush from all four guys. You mentioned moving pockets. They are going to get Cam moving. Like uh, they are going to run those that divide those flood ideas that we talked about. And that's going to be a lot of half field reads going to get the ball out quickly. The one thing that you, I think that is very, very key is in clear passing down situations, you can key off of the H back and get a feel for where the slide is going to go. If the Mm. H back is lined up to the offensive, right, then they're going to slide to the offensive, right? Because he's going to come uh, to the left-hand side in the split zone action. You need to be able to see that in the formation that that's a possibility. Um, but when you know it's coming, well, then you can work back across the slide, work back across the grain. And that's something we've seen Fletcher Cox do with a lot of success because Fletcher Cox has such power in his arms, right? Yeah. And so when you, you're lined up as a three-tech and that guard starts sliding towards you and you get your arm on the inside of him and you send him where he wants to go, you mm-hmm. throw him into the slide, well, you just generate yourself a big interior rush lane. I remember... I think it was the 2016 Eagles-Panthers game uh, where the Eagles just obliterated Cam for a night, right? They just caused him so many problems. Like you said, Cam under pressure likes to hold the ball, tries to make guys miss, tries to extend plays, does not like to get the football out early. Quick pressure, it will kill this offense. It'll, yeah. I mean, like this, you won't be able to throw the football. Uh, and that's something that we saw happen when obviously it was a, it was a Shula offense, but it's a very similar tree. And so quick interior pressure to me is the money. Uh, Fletcher Cox, and Michael Bennett are the ones I'm looking for to have big games. Yeah, and I think you're I think you're referring to last. I don't think they played in 2016. I just looked it up, but I didn't see it real quick. But yeah, 2017 they were getting a cam. 2017 then. Yeah, 2017. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Man, I'm old. <laughs> that's where Cam threw three interceptions in that game. Look, Ben. I'm going to hit you with a couple of quick uh, predictions. We're going to do this on like a three-tier type of thing. Last year, the Carolina Panthers really struggled to run the ball. Uh, did not work for them at all. Jonathan Stewart famously had negative four yards on eight carries. <laughs> uh, McCaffrey, eight yards on four. Who heard us was Cam. 11 attempts, 71 yards, and a touchdown. But oh, this yeah. one game is is much different. As, Dude, as this, twi- as sorry, this 2017 game, yeah. two sacks. Nine QB hits and then ten passes defensed. Yeah, and three interceptions. Yeah, yeah, a Beautiful. healthy game, a healthy outing. <laughs> All right, continue. Ben, this Eagles defense has surrendered under eighty yards rushing in one, two, three, four, five games this year. Only eighty allowed against Carolina last year. Over under eighty yards allowed by the defense against this Carolina Panthers run attack that we've been gushing over for about thirty minutes conservatively. Yeah, I'm gonna take over. Uh, I'm gonna take over for a couple reasons. One, if the starting defensive tackles, God forbid, are Trayvon Hester and Fletcher Cox without any depth behind them, you're looking at a weakened interior. Two Don't you badmouth Trayvon Hester. He's done nothing but good things for us. But go ahead. Yes, but also he was on the practice squad three weeks ago, so maybe he's a limited player, Mike. And also they allowed 147 yards on the ground last week. Yeah, that's a good point. And, what did I say, uh, Glenn Barkley? I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. No, it's okay. It's, it's your show. Uh, that's a good point. And this yeah, is your my, my name's a, my name's at the front in case you can't. That's stop. correct. I uh yeah, I'm gonna take over because interior could be weakened and also there's a very clear dedication to running the football uh, for this Panthers offensive attack. And so there's just going to be a lot of volume there. You know, like if their Eagles defense is allowing less than four yards per carry, I'm pretty sure. But this Panthers offense is going to clear 20 attempts, you know, which is something right. that other offenses haven't done against Philadelphia. So I think there's going to be enough volume there. What about 100 yards over under? I'll, I'll go under 100. 
Uh, okay. I'm, 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 uh, okay, so I'll take that 80. That's where it range, stops. Yeah. That's where, okay. All right. I mean, all it takes is like them bust a big one and all right. of a sudden they've got 35 on the first <laughs> run, you know? So like it's, it's, it's tricky. All right. So let's get to the, um, let's get to the score predictions. I'm pulling up the spread here for this football game and I'm talking kind of slow just to buy myself some time like a veteran. And the over under is now at 46, moved slightly from yesterday. So 46 over Where you under. 46. What's that? I still see 45 and a half. Uh, my bookie. You want to do 46 or you want to do 45 and a half? Oh, I'm on Vegas Insider. So 46. Okay. We'll do 46. Over under on 46, Ben. Oh, you might as well do the whole thing at the same time. Over under 46, and the Eagles are five point home favorites. Under? Mm hmm. Because. You're afraid to be great. I think that this Eagles. Uh, defense at home isn't going to surrender a ton of points to Carolina, sir. Don't like it so much when I throw it back at you, do you? But yeah, because it's my bit. It's not your bit. <laughs> what about the uh, the minus five? Do the Eagles cover? Yeah. I think the Eagles beat the paint off them, to be very yeah. frank with you. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's solely a momentum thing. It's solely a at-home thing. It's solely a Super Bowl defending champs thing. It's solely a we just came off of beating the New York Giants. We're on kind of a long week, and we know we have the Jaguars coming up in London, which I am now correctly identifying when the Jaguars matchup is, <laughs> unlike last week. Yeah. And this is a, you know this is an NFC opponent coming into Philadelphia. The ship is righted a little bit, and I think the players want to prove that, and I expect a very strong performance coming out. So I'm looking at, like, you know, the Giants was 34-13. I don't necessarily expect as dominant of a performance offensively, but like to me, like 27-13 is well within the, the possibilities of what to expect. I think that lines are still very apprehensive about Philadelphia, and I've forgotten how dominant this offense can be when everything is kind of righted and everybody's mm. healthy. Obviously, you're still looking at Jason Peters and Darren Sproles as question marks, um, but especially if Peters is out there, I think this offense is going to be able to, to hang uh, a, a healthy amount of points on Carolina for sure. I am going to go... With the over, just barely. And yeah, I'm going to say that the Eagles covered. The, this This Carolina Panthers team, for as much as we talk about the scheme and, and, and the run game is fun and, and whatnot, that doesn't put a whole lot of points on the board. And right now, the Carolina Panthers cannot pass deep. It's completely missing from their game. Until they're able to do that, until they're able to show that or utilize the weapons that can get deep for them, like Curtis Samuel, like DJ Moore, until they get those guys more involved into the game plan, then this is going to be a very condensed offense as far as what they can produce. So Cam has got to be more accurate down the field when he does have those opportunities, and they have to dial up those shots for him. I don't think that's this week. I don't think that's on the road in Philadelphia. Uh, I do think they are, are, are able to run the ball fairly effectively and rely on Cam to bail them out of some situations, but I can't see this defense consistently being beat by this offense. And when this Eagles defense is rolling – and they get up against a team like the Carolina Panthers that can't put together good stretches of play the entire time that I, I watched their film. They just can't put a whole game performance together, in my opinion. And when they were three and one, I asked if there was a sloppier three and one team in the NFL. I meant that because they, they haven't been able to. So I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles 30 to 17, smashing the over. And then they're covering as well. Ben. Smashing the over by one point. That's correct, because I am not afraid to be great. Say goodbye right. to the gentle listeners. <sighs> Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Solak <laughs> show here on VGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. Uh, as always, I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. I'll remind you again that on the line for you uh, is a signed copy 
or excuse me, a signed football, a signed visor, and a copy of Doug Peterson's book, Fearless, if you're the winner of the BGN Radio contest. If you go to Bleeding Green's Twitter account, at Bleeding Green, you will see that contest, retweet that tweet, follow those accounts, and that will hook you up. Uh, five runner-ups also do get a copy of Fearless as well. Uh, if you wanted to go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a review, well, that would sure be swell on whatever app you're listening to your podcast. Uh, we are nearing big marks as far as five 100 ratings and 200 reviews. And once we hit 200 reviews, we'll read out some of the good ones, some of the funny ones. And if you have questions, as always, you can leave them in the reviews as well. Uh, this is Thursday on Friday. The BGN Radio Preview Show with John Stolness and BLG Mayhew Forever, Forever Rain, Rain are released. And then you can look for a Saturday of college football and a Sunday of NFL football with the Eagles playing the Panthers at 1 Eastern. This has been the Kiston Solak Show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Ben, who do we got? It's us, man. It's always been us. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. I hated that. I hated that. <laughs> Two out of ten. What, did you, what didn't you like about it? You didn't let me answer. Well, yeah, because it didn't, it didn't really matter. Oh. You should oh, know the right. answer. What I, what I say on the pod doesn't matter. That's a good point. I'm just My a... answers to your questions on the pod <laughs> don't really matter. I feel like a loved coast. These are just words, Ben. Literally, okay, our jobs are words written and or spoken. That's a good point. I should probably watch my mouth when it comes to that. Yeah. No, there's no such thing as just words when that is the source of my in- income. That's a great, great boss above disregard. Yeah. All right. We'll just cut this out. I'll, I'm sure I'll remember. I won't remember. Hello. You're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.